Welcome. Thank you for joining us. No, I'm just kidding. That was Chris Emke, and this is Paul Wilson. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Chris did not expect that to be our intro today, but it is. No, I did not. <laughs> You're Chris, welcome, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris, we got a little bit different of an episode today. Usually we go through some of our other segments and then the interviews at the end. Today we're kind of flipping the script. We're going to kick it off and jump right into an interview I did with a great fan of the show, Michael Miner. All right, guys. So I have Michael Miner on the line here. He's been a fan of the show for a long time. We've been talking back and forth through email and messages through the podcast Facebook page. Uh, what I was just looking back at it for a long time. Uh, about several different episodes and builds. Uh, he's also introduced us to some other really cool people in the industry, so we've had the pleasure of working with them. But I'll stop talking and just say, how the hell are you? I'm great, man. It's a nice 98 degrees out here in Texas. Beautiful. Ugh, that sounds brutal. It finally just warmed up here in northern Illinois, and I'll tell you what, uh, the cool down was well appreciated. I think everybody is feeling the heat and the humidity right now. Yeah, it. Last week, it was, it was consistently over 130, so 98, I'll take it all day long. <laughs> well, hey, I can appreciate that. Now, being down in Texas, um, you got quite a history with diesel, and we usually like to get our first-time guest on the line here. Just tell us, what got you started in diesel performance? Well, I've been a gearhead uh, all my life. I was born into it. My dad was a hot rodder. Um and I've always had a fascination with diesel engines because they don't use spark plugs. And um, I'm kind of self-taught. Joined the military. I was a, a vehicle operator. Um, gave me the opportunity to kind of learn a little bit more about you know how they work and whatnot, especially these old school trucks. Um, and then back in 2010, I bought an O2 Jetta TDI, five-speed, and. Um, Started tinkering around with that a little bit and did some performance modifications. The very first thing I did was put a set of uh, nozzles, ejector nozzles on it. Sure. And a, a larger ejection pump. And uh, it, it spiraled out of control quickly after that. Unfortunately, that vehicle, um, I was in a pretty bad accident and it totaled the car out. I just had one little scratch on me. Um, so I immediately started looking for another another vehicle, and that ended up being an 05 uh, Duramax 2500. And uh, it had some modifications done to it already, um, and I just tinkered around with that. I was putting down about 500 for the tire, um, and then had a bunch of kids, and took a trip, had to go, and, and uh, got out of the military, uh, went to UTI, graduated the auto and industrial diesel program um, and have worked at different performance uh, uh, shops, diesel shops, stuff like that throughout the years. And yeah, that's where, that's where I'm at. Well, that's awesome, man. That That's a hell of a history. And I love to hear that you had some experience on, on the kind of daily driver, uh, everybody buys a diesel Jetta for fuel mileage. That, that's There's no other reason to buy one. Um, so I, I love that you got in there and started started modifying it um, right away. And then also moving into the LLY. That, that's a tough truck for a lot of uh, newbies. I'll, I'll just be honest. I, I know I'm going to get some flack for this online, which is fine. Hey, guys, I, I get it. You can fix all the problems of the LLY. But there's definitely a bit of a learning curve to know what to fix and how to fix it right. Well, honestly, uh, the uh I guess you call me kind of new school. I'm only 33 years old. Um, 
I did my research on a couple of the online web forums when we still had web forums and <laughs> learned and studied. Like, I know what my price range is. I know what I'm willing to to accept and what I can fix and what I'm not. And that's why I settled on that, that, that truck in particular. Um, the only issue I ever had was the uh, injection control modules rubbing on the, the pedestals and and with some electrical tape and uh, a full noodle fix that. <laughs> Um, so you're going to walk me through, Michael, uh, maybe not a, 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 an example, but, but a kind of mock example, a dream build, if you will. Uh, tell me about it, man. Lay it on me. Why, why would I, what is the dream IDI build? Well, well first and foremost, you've got to understand, you're absolutely right. It's not going to be a race truck. Um, you know, they, they, back then, diesels weren't meant essentially to, to go fast. They were just meant to work and work all day long. Know, hang them up wet and, and do it again the next day. Secondly, you got to understand how they operate. Um, the best way I can describe it for anybody who's like a gas head is to think of like a flathead V8 where you have the pre combustion chamber, where your, your, uh, your fuel is ignited, and then the flame front burns across the top of the piston and then down. Um, so that means compression ratios are really high. Um, and then heat rejection is obviously going to be another issue. That being said, for myself, um, and being from the military, being in the military, um, the base truck would be what is called a CUCV, C-U-C-V, which is like an 86 body style, square body Chevy pickup truck. They're rated at 1.25 tons, uh, four-wheel drive, and they originally came with a 6.2. Well, the government... Whenever GM got rid of the, the started going uh, to the 6.5, whenever we had issues with the 6.2s, just yanked the engine out and put a uh, 6.5. Um, so that's the base truck. You know, if you got a pull, 1.25 tons is pretty good for uh, uh, essentially what would be a three-quarter ton rated truck. Um, they're naturally aspirated, so there's no turbo on them, and, and they're kind of dogs. But also another thing about it, too, is it comes with no emissions. And as we all know, back in the 80s, uh, emissions were a killer. Going from there, it would be, it would have to get a set of HX35 turbos, um, uh, manually controlled wastegate. You don't want a whole lot of boost pressure. What you're after is just the airflow. Um, and that turbo will spool, those turbos will spool pretty pretty good um, with that, that engine. The next thing you got to tackle is the fact that it's got a three-speed transmission. It's got a turbo 400 transmission, um, which means you don't necessarily actually get a park uh, gear. You actually have to set the parking brake. So what you do is you get a 4L80E transmission out of like a late 90s, um, you know, Chevy van or pickup truck. You usually find those at the junkyard pretty cheap. Obviously, if you're getting out of the junkyard, you're going to have to have it rebuilt. While you're in there. You need to have the output shaft shortened one-eighth of an inch, um, and you need to, to bend the dipstick a little bit um, to get it to fit in there and, and mount correctly so you can check your, your transmission fluid. There's a, a fab, fabbing up a, a pedestal mount that is three and three-quarters inch longer than the factory one. Um, this allows it to, to sit properly up underneath the truck. Um, you could do this with two pieces of two-inch square tube and two pieces of three-eighths three by two-inch flat plate. 
you got to move the transmission cross back cross member back about two inches. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but if there's somebody who, who's willing to do the work, it's a labor of love. The stock Turbo uh, um, 400 and the transfer case uh, shift linkage. All you got to do is extend it one inch. It's just essentially welding a piece of round stock. Um, after that, you need to lengthen and shorten the drive. The front, lengthen the front drive shaft, shorten the rear. Uh, there, obviously, you want to keep it cool. Uh, so just some three eighths rubber transmission fluid lines and a BNM supercooler mounted in front of the radiator. You got to control it because it's an electric transmission, and that's a non-electronic truck. So TCI makes a TCM and a harness that comes with the throttle position sensor that mounts to the injection pump. Your RPM signal comes from your flywheel, and like I said, the, the throttle position sensor mounts on the um, injection pump linkage. And then you're going to need a gear shift indicator, which you can get off a late model truck out of the, out of the junkyard. Essentially, get it out of your your, your truck you got the transmission out of. Since it's a non-turbo engine, the base engine, right? It's uh, the pre-combustion chamber on the back side of it. It's got a stamp, and it's signified by shape. The non-turbo ones have a smaller hole, um, which allows for more fuel economy, but um, it doesn't really allow for power and fuel delivery. So you can pick up a set of uh, the, what they call the diamond pre-cups, get them off eBay for like a hundred bucks. From there, where it gets kind of expensive on it is the injection pump. You have to hold on, hold on. Get, let me let me just let me just pause right here. From there, it gets expensive. You, wh- what about the turbo, the turbo kit, the turbo mount, the transmission, okay. the the custom fabrication? I, I'm not I'm okay. not trying to rain on your parade here, but by, by any means, um, I'm trying to understand the build. So like. Up until this point, before whatever we're about to dive into, what what's a ballpark? What have, what have I spent to build this truck just to this level? Uh, um, well, I based the whole build off of a twenty thousand dollar budget to include the cost of the truck. All in, you're looking at about eleven thousand to fifteen thousand dollars for everything. Wow. Okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, keep going. So, so you were saying the, the base, from the base there... The itself is between 4500 to 8500 Right. Which, um, Chris and I were just talking about this just, just the other day with, with, with an older Cummins, with getting a second-gen Cummins, and, and we were saying, you know, for ten grand, you, you get X truck. It's, it's, you know, a little bit different based on what you want out of the truck. Um, so I guess if you're in love with these body styles, I... I could understand, or I, I could at least be empathetic to why you would be going down this this project. But I'm sorry, don't l- l- let's get back to your parts build here because I know you're about to dive into something expensive. So what what's the expensive part that we're about to jump into? Well, everything up to there total is about thirty three thousand two hundred fifty bucks. Wow. Okay. Plus or minus. Okay. Obviously, minus the cost of the truck. Sure. The injection pump is fifteen hundred dollars by itself. That's that's not reason being, and the reason being is you can only get them brand new, and you've got to go to a um, a six five marine dealer to get it because it's actually a boat injection pump. The boat engines make 
stupid horsepower, but that's because they have a lot more capacity for heat rejection. For the rest of the diesel performance, yeah, I'm just saying for the rest of the diesel performance community, fifteen hundred bucks for the pumps not crazy by any means. That's pretty cheap. The the numbers on it, it's a Sandine DB two eight three one dash five seven two two. The pump in stock form is rated at three hundred and ten horsepower on the six five, uh, with the ability to go up to about four twenty five four fifty ish. Um, and now I'll give you all the fuel flow you will ever need out of a pickup truck because you will overheat it, you will melt pistons if you try and push it much farther than what it, it, it can handle. The injectors, the marine, the marine style injectors, they're about four hundred and seventy dollars for a set. Head studs, one sixty-two. Uh, head gaskets, MLS head gaskets, one forty. The uh, water pump, which would be out of a Humvee but converted to serpentine drive. Reason being, the Humvee flows a ton more water. Uh, 135 bucks for that. You go to the, the civilian 6.5 trucks um, that are electronically controlled. They have like a pusher pump or a lift pump that's uh, mounted on the frame rail. You get one of those from uh, SS Diesel Supply, brand new for like 80 bucks, and just wire it in so that you're helping out that, that injection pump instead of sucking so hard. Sure. This remote radiator, uh, 768. Uh, another thing you got to worry about is the gearing on those stock trucks and the axles. They're like 410 or higher gears. Um, that's why in the military we can only do like 55 miles an hour before you blow it up. I'd re-gear it to 373s. Um, uh, so front and rear gears, you're looking at about 150 bucks all the way around. So for the rear 150, I would obviously convert the rear axle, which is a 14-volt uh, a corporate. Um, it's disc brakes converted to, or it's uh, drum brakes converted to disc. That's going to run you about 340 bucks for that kit. Front axle re-gear is 410. And if you like to go off-road or, or chapter pole or whatever the case may be, that front axle, you can get an e-locker for it for about 1131 So you, you've, you, you've put a little bit of research into this, it sounds like. Um. <laughs> I've actually done this build, but not 100% everything on one vehicle. I've done different things on different vehicles. So, yeah, I've, I've done Duramax conversions in, in Humvees. So, like, I, I, I guess that's my thing, though, right? Is like, if I'm looking at my options, 10 to 12, 10, or 15 to 20 grand, uh, or, or call it 10 to 15 grand of upgrades, right? After I've bought a vehicle, there's not many other diesels out there I could buy for five grand. I mean, I mean just like trucks, frames, HD frames that I'm going to put a diesel in. It's a pretty limited supply of like finding a good roller good interior i mean that usually is is the hardest part of it and once you do find them you're generally paying a pretty good premium for them so i would imagine this is more a guy who who ends up with one of these trucks right right like if if, if you're on a limited budget it's like the customer had to be somebody who was like oh well i i got one of these somehow or i ended up buying this because it was it, it was very specifically what i wanted and then i'm now deciding to upgrade it as time goes on or I, I well, guess I could understand little, that. 
most of the time what will happen is somebody's just looking for an old, let's say, farm truck or, or, or like we had talked about, just an old work truck. They don't want to invest a whole bunch of money into it. And they, screw body Chevy. Everybody knows screw body Chevy. You can't, you can't kill it. Um, oh, it's got a diesel, so it'll pull. And they don't realize the only way to tell the difference between the civilian truck and that truck is, A, the paint that's on it. If it hasn't been repainted, it's essentially chalkboard paint. Um, the 24-volt electrical system on it, and the, uh, it, it comes with a, a, like a, a brush guard that's flat plate steel. Uh, uh, um, if, if that stuff's been taken off and it's been diverted to, to 24-volt, there's really no way you can tell. Um, and when you get driving it down the road, out here in Texas, the, uh, the, the tollway is 80 mile an hour in that's fixing to blow up and you're wondering why, well, you already got some money into it. Um, like I said, the base truck's 4500 to $8,500, depending upon where you get it from and, and the condition it's in. Nine times out of ten, yeah, the interior is jacked up, but, um, you know, there's no carpet in it. Um, it it's very, very safe. Roll down, manual roll down windows, single cab truck. Um, so you're already going to be, be looking at trying to make that a little bit more comfortable. Total cost and upgrade, we're looking at $7,100. Uh, for, for 300 to, to 400 horsepower for, for $7,000. Total all $15,000, you've got a 400 to, to, to 300 to 400 horsepower truck. I mean, it's really hard to beat. What, is that, well, what does that guy. customer use that truck for then? Um, I've actually seen guys use them just to drive around daily because as long as you keep your, your foot out of the skinny pedal, they do a pretty good fuel economy. Sure. Um, you know, like I said, guys use it out on the farm to haul hay around or feed the cattle. Uh, instead of using a $90,000, $80,000 truck, I've seen guys uh, like in Colorado and uh, Alaska use it to get up off in the boondock somewhere and you know, go hunt an elk or a, a moose. You know, because it's a $4,500 truck, so if I bump into a tree, who cares? Okay. Um, and, and there are some people that, customers that I've had come across me, that uh, they want, they just want an old, they're just one of those people just want an old truck. They don't want to, you know, the, I don't want to have to deal with after treatments and all the horror stories that I hear about that and the seven third and I can't, I can't afford a 12 valve or, or you know, uh, uh LB7 Duramax that are too expensive. They're outside of my price range. And then the last customer, which is more of a niche market, is guys that, uh, you know, like your Vietnam veterans and stuff like that, that want that nostalgia. You know, I, I want to feel like I was back in the day because you can buy these things on the civilian market now. Um, and they just want to take it out on, on their Sunday drive. And obviously, just like anybody, anything else, I know for myself, I can't leave anything alone. I modified my push mower just because I was bored. There's guys out there that'll do that. I love it. I love it. There's a whole online web forum um, dedicated to former military vehicles, and you'd be surprised some of the stuff that these guys do with these things. Especially considering, like, there's no real uh, use for these trucks, like Humvees, two and a half tons, five tons, stuff like that. There's guys on there that'll even buy, uh, uh, you know, Vietnam-era uh, military radios. What are you going to use it for? Absolutely nothing, but they'll, they'll, they'll spend a 
ton of money on, on these things. It's just that nostalgia. Yeah. Which, I mean, at the end of the day, I get it. If I could get the truck that I used to drive in the military uh, and could afford to drive it, I probably would drive it you know, at least twice a week. <laughs> I, I love that even your dream truck isn't a daily driver. You're like, there's prob- it's probably not something I want to drive every day, which is the way, honestly, most dream trucks end up. Uh, all the build, dream, almost all the builds I've seen just end up as something that you, you don't want to be in every day. To be 100% honest, uh, like my dream truck, all out dream truck would be um, you guys' uh, thoroughbred. But that, that's out of my price range. It's, something like this is within my price range. It's for sale, homie. I got a firm, I got a firm financing now. Oh, I'm I'm am sitting in an 05 V71 right now. <laughs> That's See? my daily. See, you're good. Little trade in, little bit bigger, no big deal. Awesome. Yeah, but the bank, aka my wife, wouldn't wouldn't approve of that. <laughs> I've been there. You've been with me long enough to know that that water pump that looks like a snail is not a water pump, <laughs> and it doesn't need to be replaced. <laughs> I dig it. Well, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, it's it's great to finally get you on here, so that we we could get you on and and talking about something that people have been asking for. Listeners, if you got a a dream build and you want to walk me through it, include the parts, the pricing, the vehicle, the cost, uh, why people use it, why somebody cares about it. Record yourself uh, on your on your phone and email it into us, or go ahead and post it on our Facebook pages, and and we'll look at being able to use those in the future uh, to do some more episodes like this. But for today, uh, again, thank you so much, Michael. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. It's been a pleasure. All right, man. Have a great day. You as well. All right, and now we're back. Um, Chris, what did you think hearing Michael talk about an IDI build starting with a 6.2 base in an 80-something square body truck? Let me take a deep breath. All right, no. Um, <laughs> interesting. Interesting. I mean, at the end of the day, you have certain people out there that are diehard fans for a specific brand or generation of vehicle, okay? and sure. I th- And I think that, you know, Michael really capitalized on some of that. Um not a build I would do, uh, n- not uh, an inviting thing for me, but he did hit on a couple things that I-, I can't disagree with. There are a lot of square body fans out there. Well, I was just going to say, do you remember, so so we know uh, a friend of the show, a uh, great sponsor of the show, the Whirlies, um, Ryan's C10 build. Yeah. There's a truck that like the actual body lines in that truck itself, not that cool to me, but that truck with the finished build- and what he's done to it and the way it is, over-the-top awesome. Now, they do great fab work, and they have all of these resources to do it, and they're, they're a great shop and did a great job with it. But I think I, I think I could understand that build more because there's all of this performance application. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the different – you look at the trucks, <clears throat> you look at, you know, the square bodies, you look at uh, a truck like Ryan Worley's or even, even um, uh, Jason. You know, Jason has a square yeah. body as well. Yeah, he has one too. And, uh, you know, we had one at the shop for some time. And uh, the gentleman that we ended up selling that truck to, he's a diehard square body fan. Like, he has like three or four. You know, Saw it at UCC, had to have it. Yeah. Mark Downing, big fan. So, you know, shout out to Mark, real good buddy. Um, but there, there's a nostalgia 
right, to certain body lines and certain, you know, generations of trucks that, you know, I could look at myself and think growing up, my dad would always talk about like these cars from like the 70s and 80s. And like, you know, I understand the muscle car era, right? Like I respect that. But there were some cars in like the 80s that I'm like, those things are ugly. And my dad's like, oh, that's nasty. Like, you know, I had one, this and that. I never understood. <laughs> Fast forward 20 years. Now I'm in a scenario where there are cars from the 90s and the early 2000s that I'm like, oh, that's a good looking car. Completely name outdated. One. Name one car from the 90s or, or early 2000s that's good looking. Like me, I like I really am a fan. Like so, import stuff like uh, uh, Nissan 350Zs, Infiniti G35s. I had one growing up. You know, I, I like that car. They're not an attractive, appealing car now. No, but not that, a cool looking car. But to that today's was, standards, right? But that was an appealing car from the from from what era I'm from. Right. Okay. So I'm looking at like these square bodies and I'm thinking like, and, and Michael has a lot of experience in the military. So again, there's a little bit more of that, you know, connection on that style vehicle. Sure. So I, I respect and understand that connection. Um, otherwise, like I, yeah, $5,000 vehicle, like I would rebuttal and say, now again, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Dodge guy, right? I'm a Cummins guy. I would buy a first gen Dodge any day of the week. Love the body lines. I've had several of them. I see one driving down the road. I'm like, that shit's nasty. Yeah, way right? to lean into that cum dog nickname, yeah. huh? And, yeah. and the second gens too. Like the second thing, second gens, perfect example. I grew up around those. I like those body lines. Other people, sure. they're they're not a, a good looking truck. Like no. they're not. They're ugly no. as shit, and they're yeah. very basic. So the I would, ugliest of all of the. I, I, honestly, yeah. I agree with that. But you take that first gen, you take that second gen, you find someone that is a diehard guy, and that would be the comparison of a square body Chevy. And then to go a step further, and it's not like we're talking square bodies with 350s, right? We're talking a square body with a 6.2 or a 6.5 diesel engine, which we all know isn't the most uh, performance-friendly or performance-oriented engines. Yeah, um, to say the least. Yeah, and, and talking, a nice way of phrasing And that. talking to Michael, you know, listening to him say, well, the 6.2 takes a shit, you could just swap a 6.5 in. Like, oh, it's just no big deal. Like, hey, I'm going to go swipe, you know, swap my underwear out. You know, that that's <laughs> that's the way, it, you know, he made it seem like it's just that simple. You know, and it is. They, they bolt right in. Like, sure, they really do. Sure. But, um, I mean, what's your take? Did he sell you? No, I would never do this. It sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah, <laughs> oh absolutely not. No. But you respect it. L listen, listen. Um, I I respect Michael a lot, and I respect when whenever somebody goes out and builds a passion project, um, I still think it's a stupid idea. I, I think you That's could build aggressive. such such a cooler truck for less money and go faster and have something more reliable and have something that looks better um, but that's me that, that let, that, let me let me that's paint a me with you. my terrible taste let you me, know let me paint a picture for you you grew up in southern illinois on a farm your dad had that old square body farm truck that he would drive up and down the private drive every day you would be in the passenger seat you'd have your dog in the middle right my dad drove a minivan listen, when i was a kid i don't want to go buy a minivan like okay, i don't well, this is what i don't listen, get i don't it's care about your broken past paul everybody's <laughs> everybody's parents drove something when they were a kid like saying, none of us like, grew I up in see, horse and buggy country i can see, like what is that mean why I do i want my dad's car i, I don't see, get it you're just you're looking at you're looking at this all wrong in a very I'm logical saying, way and it's not a logical situation i understand um your dad drove is. a minivan you drive a fucking suv okay? right dad right. but it's, it's not right but it's not like not like oh man i really i grew up and i remember my dad had this 97 grand caravan and we took a family <laughs> trip on it and now i just i really want to go restore a 97 grand caravan fuck no i don't uh, no, I I, I, I don't have any interest in that. I you know why? Because I had all the experience in that vehicle, and that vehicle sucked. <laughs> I didn't get to drive it. 
Like I, I the, well, I'm just saying I can see some personal connections to certain vehicles based I, upon yes. based on opinions and experiences at an earlier age, and I could see that being one of the the motivators for someone who would want to do a restoration project or want to get man. into something. Yeah, like that. I, listen, I'm clearly just joking around. I I do I totally understand the nostalgia. And you were talking about buying a fucking minivan, so <laughs> not true, not true. I don't think in a while. Um. No, li- listen. Like it, it's it's not my not my cup of tea, and that's fine. I do understand it. I understand the concept behind it. Um, again, I think it's also factual to say that if you wanted anything else, it would probably be easier and cost less money. Um, but but yeah, it's it's a no. I, well, well, let's touch on that. Let's talk. Let's talk about the economical side of it. Okay, uh, the economics around twenty thousand. You buy the build. truck, buying the truck for you know three to five thousand dollars, and then you put that type of money into it, like that to get to three four hundred horsepower. Hey, you know, to what? Get, yeah. I mean, uh, maybe it's not the horsepower. Let's just cut the horsepower play out of it. But you want an updated. Power output, right? You don't want no hundred horsepower. You, know, you need done, a little more. We've done the fifteen k budget build episode. Yeah, we have. So like we we've had this question in a very serious way. We last year uh, at Duramax Tuner, we did Tyler Franzen with the the budget build truck, fifteen thousand dollars. So go buy a really nice LBZ and then throw fifteen grand yeah. at it. We've seen what budget builds do. None of them ever hit yeah. the budget in the real world. Anytime you build a budget build, you always blow past your budget. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a joke to start with and two you can't call this a budget build like if you got no. 20 grand to spend unfinanced so so in other words you have twenty thousand dollars in cash either you are the worst and you chose maker in your to go life. do this truck yes again it has to be a nostalgia yeah. it has to be a, a i love this and i have the passion for yeah. this and this is my and dream. i have the know-how of restoration and, and yeah. the mechanics like there there are so many it's such a very small percentage of the listeners that we work, or, you know, that that listen to our show, or like people that you know we get the privilege of working with over at Calibrated Power, that would even be considering something like this. Yeah. But you know, at the end of the day, though, mad props, mad respect. I mean, he did his homework. He knows his shit. If I can't get tuning from Duramax tuner, fab parts from WC Fab, and fuel systems from Exergy, it's probably not a build for me. Okay, I mean, I, I don't, I, I agree to disagree on that. <laughs> um, I don't know what to talk. I don't about. <laughs> like, I agree. You know, all all great Listen, companies uh, in the market, they can uh, definitely get you taken uh, here, care of. Here's my thing: is that I, I, I want, I want to rein it in here just to remind everyone that this is mostly because of the performance side of it, right? Like, I could never see building a vehicle strictly for the nostalgia like it would the only way i would ever get into to dumping a bunch of my personal money into to horsepower is for horsepower or into a vehicle is for horsepower um i do think there's a few other topics that i thought we should talk about this week chris there's been some pretty big news going on in diesel performance uh and we've always been ones to kind of talk about this news in a very open and honest way and so we wanted to jump into the news that broke with the epa and Corey willis uh at ppei coming to a settlement uh, it's it's no secret here. I think everybody in diesel performance is talking about it right now. Yeah. Um, they, they got whacked with some NOVs. They've been fighting it for a long time. It sounds like that has come to the end of its rope. Uh, they now are only offering emissions-equipped tuning calibrations. No more delete tunes. Yeah. Uh, Chris, now you you are in a, a customer interaction type of a role here at Duramax Tuner on mm-hmm. the day-to-day, so you're somebody who I think is an, an industry insider. Um what has the impact been this this past week? Uh, now that we're recording seven days after the announcement was initially made on Facebook, um, I'm tired. 
<laughs> I am tired. Um, you know, uh, I deal with a lot of people, a lot of people on a day to day. And uh, this week is nothing short of uh, amazing to me as far as how someone or a company can post a couple of posts and everyone can interpret that information differently. And that's why I wanted to hit this because the, the post was specific to PPEI, was not a general blanket statement for the entire industry. No. And I think that's one of the things I've seen interacting with people on Facebook and YouTube. A lot of people seem to think that this somehow implied or this was saying that there is now no custom tuning available for any diesel trucks. That is not true. That is not the situation. You absolutely still can get custom tuning for your diesel truck um, as long as it's supported by the custom tuner. Uh, the only caveat to their, or caveat to that is no delete tunes. That That's just going to get harder and harder and harder to find somebody willing to take the risk. Uh, the initial estimates I saw, or at least the initial number I saw published, was a $1.1 million fine was just doled out. Uh, there's not a lot of small businesses out there that, that can afford to cover a $1.1 million fine. So just as you're asking companies to provide you well, a delete not, tune, on, let's, let's be real about, about that. what that is. So let, let's dive into it, okay? Like you said, you know, no bullshit, just yeah. being up front. PPI, Corey Willis, they make this post, <clears throat> right? Every end user, every enthusiast that's out there that reads that thinks that this was an overnight thing. This has been years in the making. Yeah. Okay. This is something that, you know, is, is people within the industry, right? Different companies and things like that, you know, they have a little bit more uh, in, uh, information, right? That, that gets shared. Um, but this is something that has been ongoing. This isn't something where one day they wake up and they go, you know what? Like, yeah, they don't knock on your door and drop right. off the fine, right? It, it, it is. It's something like Corey's been pretty public about how he has been yep. been fighting some of the, the aspects of this. And we know some other guys that have gotten hit uh, with, with NOV's notice of violations yeah. from the EPA. And they, in general, uh, I, I don't know about PPI's exact time frame, but other companies we know of have taken three to four years to yeah. get through the process uh, now, from being being handed a notice of violation to actually settling the the circumstances now with that being said you know we're not them i'm gonna let the rest of that kind of be its thing yeah but what does the future look like right uh they have been um public about hey you know what no more deletes we're gonna do emissions on you know Corey's made it very vocal where his passion is racing in off-road style tuning but he is going to invest the time and energy into emissions on and that support I respect that. Hey, man, right? come, come join the game. We've you been know, playing this game for a while right. by ourselves. We kind of feel like uh, being custom tuners who provide emissions-equipped tunes. We've always kind of said we're out here on this island by ourselves. We're glad to see other people come in and, and join us, man. Like, this works. Yeah. This and works. I, now, as far as uh, the reception that I've had from end users, like with that foundation, <laughs> um, I've had guys calling, screaming, and yelling at me like I, like I shot their dog. Um, I've had guys... <laughs> Who have who have heard of us? Uh, thought we did emissions off tuning for some reason, and then I have to inform them that we don't. Um, I've had people that have been receptive and hearing and understanding different options. Yeah. Um, um, I've had people where they're willing to spend whatever money they can to buy tunes today because they interpreted that custom tuning is no longer available. So, guys, the thing that you need to keep in mind is this: custom tuning. Okay, you can go and buy a box programmer in Edge Banks, Bully Dog. There's a lot of good options out there, right? Yeah. Custom tuning, like what we offer, yes, it's custom. We have 
all of the ECM parameters to modify. Just because I'm not offering you delete tunes doesn't mean it's not custom. Okay, I have the same parameters, if not more parameters, in our support to offer. I'm just not shutting off the emissions codes. I like my job. We like where we work. We want to grow as an organization. We want to offer a quality product to the industry. Um, but the leading the truck is unfortunately not really the route to go moving forward. And I think we're going to start to see this because other companies out there are also in this same sort of pressure where, where we all have to provide emissions equipped solutions, solutions that meet federal regulations. I always have guys ask, well, I don't get emissions testing where I live. There's no emissions laws in my county or my city. Yeah. What would I, well, hey, listen, man, we all live in America. We all follow federal laws. So, so. <laughs> Ish. Um, so now, now we're going to have more and more companies offering emissions equipped solutions, which means we expect to see an explosion of new products to help the reliability of your truck. And you, I, you know that I think that's been one of the real drivers of why guys want to delete is they feel that they don't have the reliability in their vehicle anymore. They feel the emissions equipment has cost them that trust that they had built with it with a given brand. Uh, and that's true to some extent. I, I get it. I drive an emissions-equipped truck. You drive an emissions-equipped truck. We understand what that is. When you do get a, a, a death light com- coming on or check engine light coming on, you I, feel like you want to never have this again. I but think... we're going to start to see the the R&D and the money be invested instead of into who's got the shiniest exhaust tip to more into who's got the most reliable truck. And, and we're going to see that push. I think it's going to be great for consumers in the long run. Yeah, no, I, uh, there was something I was going to say, and I it slipped my mind, Paul. Well, it must have been really important. It was really important. It well, was I'll really important. Tell you what, we can plug it into next week's episode. I just wanted to wrap up here uh, with a, a real quick reminder for everybody. Uh, Diesel Power Challenge. Get your trucks in. Get them voted on. If you are submitting your truck to be voted on for Diesel Power Challenge, we want to have you on the show. We want to talk about your truck. We want to give you some early exposure. We want to try to to get some followers out there and get some people behind you. Shoot us a message. Jump on to Diesel Performance Podcast Q&A Facebook group or shoot us a message at our Diesel Performance Podcast Facebook page. Uh, I handle the replies there, so I'll try to make sure we book you guys just as quickly as we possibly can. For today, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Thanks for listening. And you were talking about buying a fucking minivan, so... (laughs) Not true. Not true.